Guess what I'm watching? What are you watching? I am watching Como TV flying above Commencement Bay in Tacoma. Following, are you ready for this? Yes. A beluga whale. A beluga whale in Commencement Bay? Not kidding. Oh my gosh, is it okay? It, you know, it looks fine, hard to tell, and of course you don't have any uh, words, it's just the sound of the helicopter. Right. But it looks fine, it's just swimming around and around. I don't know where it's wow. going. But We're right, or yeah. where it came from. I wonder if like somebody dropped some yummy fish in there or something and it's, you know, trying to get them. That's what I'm wondering if, mm. I mean, because I don't know where they are from, but I know that we don't see them here. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it's pretty awesome. Are you guys talking about beluga whales? Did you see yeah. that? Did you see the yeah. beluga in Commencement Bay? I saw it on TV. Oh, I'm watching it on my phone right now. They're over it live? Yes. And, you know, I grew up Ooh. on the water. We have orcas and we have gray whales. And, uh, but, I, you know, I never remember hearing of a beluga whale here. <laughs> no. It's actually a bad thing that they're here. Like it escaped from a zoo or it's not well or? Well, that it, yeah, that it, that it got, it's off course somehow. Like it shouldn't. It's probably not where it's supposed to be. That's why I was wondering if it was okay. But, um, you know, hopefully there's professionals that are trying to get it moved to where it's supposed to be. And, all you know, the triangle of Navy bases in this area with the sonar. That's what I'm, right. what I'm concerned about. Cool, cool. That is an issue that they get confused. Yeah, they may have to go get a, a NOAA boat and uh, push it back. <laughs> By NOAA, you mean National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, not like an ARC. That's right. <laughs> if there is an ARC available, let's send them out. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm just like so excited to see. I mean, I shouldn't be because like you say, it probably is a bad thing and I'll, I'll be watching no, but about it. It's still it, an but... incredible thing to see. You know? Yeah, it's a whale. So amazing. So I interviewed a woman who wrote a book called The Gap Tooth Smiling Girl. <laughs> and she is a doctor. She's uh, not like a doctor as in the white coat, but a doctor uh, in the school district. She has a PhD. And uh, she. this is October is Anti-Bullying Awareness Month. And uh, so she is very, uh, she works very hard at creating an atmosphere of anti-bullying in her school. And tell us about the title. Well, she has a big gap in her teeth. And the thing is, is my sister has a gap in her teeth. And so to me, when I see a gap, I, I'm drawn to people with gaps in their teeth. And, but apparently she was made fun of. Plus, she's a black woman. So she was um, in, grew up in a very nurturing community. But her parents wanted her to have more opportunities so they took her into the city and she she and her sisters were the only black girls. And then she has this big gap. And so, you know, she was teased. And like she said, she was in an all white school, but they didn't know they'd never been around, you know, people with hair like hers and skin like hers. And so anyway, she ended up getting involved, like with the Boys and Girls Club and found out she could write. And then things changed for her when she kind of found her gift. But um, it was really interesting talking about bullying because I said, don't you think we should start with the adults? Because 
there are so many adult bullies and we see it at work. And my sister said, no, we need to start with the kids because they're the next generation of adults and they won't bully if they're taught. I was like, hmm, you're so smart. (laughs) Why didn't I think of that? But she talked about teaching kids, are you a bystander, the one taking the video and posting it on social media or bystanding doing nothing? Or are you an upstander? Are you speaking up? Are you doing something rather than nothing? Interesting. In school, I was, I, unfortunately, I was a bystander. There was a, a boy in our school that was very bullied, and I never bullied him that I can remember, but I never stood up for him. I, I didn't know how. I think I kind of split the difference. Like, I was friendly with and kind to the kids that were bullied. And I mean, not because of that, but just they were just good people, right? I mean, I didn't care what they looked like or any of that stuff. But I don't know that I ever went out of my way to stand up for a friend who was bullied by other kids. I did stand up for a classmate who was being bullied by a teacher. Mm. And and Whoa. I got in trouble. I got in trouble. But to this day, I'm, I'm really proud of myself for for that moment. But um, and that was that was before it was fashionable. This is like in high school. This this girl was, you know, this one teacher just picked on this girl all the time because she was easy pickings. And I called him on it. Um, and it was, you know, very uncomfortable day for everybody. But um, but is it but for other kids, I don't know that I like I can remember this girl that I rode the school bus who was um, pretty heavy set in those days. And um the kids called her all kinds of names that I don't want to repeat. And, um, but she always sat next to me on the bus. <laughs> like she was my school bus mate. Right. You know, and I don't know that I ever stood up and said, don't call her those names, but you know, I'd like to think that by sitting with her, I at least did something to help, but it's tough. I mean, it's, you don't want to stand out as a kid. You don't want to stand out by, by being bullied and you don't want to stand out as the kid who stood up for the kid being bullied because then you get bullied too. Um, that's, you know, life is hard enough when you're 13, but all those other layers are, are pretty tough. Yeah. Well, and I think when we teach empathy, which I don't think that was a known thing exactly when we were growing up, but when we when teachers are teaching empathy, so like one of my kids had a girl in their class that was autistic. And so she was high functioning, but she couldn't like, she wasn't really relatable. So on the playground... She was getting picked on, but in the schoolroom, they had built such a bond with her of protection that they all looked out for her on the playground. Hmm. And so they never let anybody talk to her badly, or if they did, you know, they all surrounded her. So, you know, I think that there's been a great effort to teach kids how to look out for each other. Uh, but I I don't know that that was something we even thought of Uh in right. my day and age, it's like, well, I'm glad they're picking on them and not me. I mean, that makes me ashamed to say that, but that possibly might have been what I was thinking. Well, and with social media, the stakes are so much higher now because all that stuff moves at the speed of lightning and it's everywhere. It, it's places parents don't even know it is. Every time we think we're on top of, of what they're looking at, they're looking at something else. Um, and that's that's so, so hard to root out. Yeah, it is. And I mean, Anna, what's it like for you? Do you ha- do you have to get on your kids' social media to see what's going on, or how do you keep track of that? I'm fortunate enough to say my kids really don't participate in social media other than just following. They're more about videos and stuff. 
I'm sure I'll get to that. I'll cross that bridge, though. When it does, I, I think we've been getting into conversations about cyberbullying, how that's a thing. Right now, we're more focused on actual face-to-face bullying, not that we're facing that at all, but I think that was something that was more on my mind these past years while they're in school. You know, I'm sitting here while you guys are talking, thinking about like, I love, Claire, how you were able to be the example of someone who, even though you weren't 100% feeling like you're an upstander, the example that you set for the other kids to be the one to sit by this kid who would be their target. And you and I, Lori, yesterday, we're talking about how the common thing you and I have is that we're kind of the bystanders. We didn't want to be target to people who are targeting other people. And I have a feeling maybe we did do something at least like Claire did. Maybe we weren't 100% upstanders, but as bystanders, we did something else to make up for it. I hope. (laughs) I can't think of an example for myself, (laughs) but I felt like I was the nice kid. I was not someone who was mean. And if I did detect anyone who people were mean to or targets or anything, I have a feeling I was a person who who would go up to them and, and was the person that was nice to them. I think you were like that too. (laughs) I'll bet you were. I'll bet all three of us were because we're nice people. But I think part of part of being a nice person is that you don't necessarily know you're a nice person. You're just a nice person. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't think I set out one day and said, I'm going to sit next to this girl on the bus because other kids are mean to her. To me, she was just another kid who sat on the bus. And over time, I realized everyone was making fun of her. Right? So... I think that, I don't, I don't know if you're born nice, you're born not nice. I don't know what how much is environmental and how much is, you know, what is it, nature versus nurture. But I am grateful that I did grow up as a nice kid. I'm, I'm fortunate that I had nice parents who, I guess, raised me that way. I don't really know, again, like I said, how it got that way. I feel peaceful looking back and knowing that even though I never probably stepped up to help anyone, I certainly didn't harm anyone. It's just, I, I do, in retrospect, look back and wish that I had done more, but you know, that's the beauty of getting old is you can look back at, you, you get to fix stuff, you know. What do they say? Youth is wasted on the young. And I love, Anna, that you're fo- you focused on the face-to-face because it really is about the face-to-face. Social media bullying is a problem, but it all comes down to that ability to deal with people face-to-face. A lot of people hide in the social media because they can't. So maybe they, they, they want to lash out at this kid and they don't have the courage to learn how to work it out. So they just take it out in some pseudo-anonymous way online. Hell, adults are doing that too all over the place. Um, so I, I applaud you for, for really talking about the face-to-face and the inter, interpersonal communication of it because that's the root of it. Thanks. I do feel bad when I hear stories about how someone didn't take to cyberbullying so well to a point where they take their own lives. And yeah. And Lori, how you were saying, start with the parents and how your sister's like, start with the kids. And, and maybe it goes both ways because a lot of times kids are following the example of a parent who bullies in different ways. And it doesn't have to be about punching people or anything like that, but it could be excluding people just for whatever reason. We just have a lot of a lot of that, I think, that goes on, and people don't categorize it as bullying. Bullying is a huge spectrum, really. And you know, it's like when we think about 
you know, school shootings. And Columbine, you know, they, they really pushed it that it was a bully situation. But in the years to come, they have realized that it wasn't a bully situation. It was a, more of a mental illness situation. But, you know, when you think about school shootings and then you've got bullies, school becomes just not a safe place. And I always listen to this podcast it has to do with school shootings, and they've collected data. You know, rather than trying to psychoanalyze, they've collected data over the years of how it, how it happens, what kind of people do this. And what they say is school shootings are not inevitable. They're preventable when we look at it from the data standard. And I'm going to – got to find that. You'll edit this out right in. I'll find the name of the book. Nope. I want to keep this in for its natural sound. <laughs> I will totally, I will totally edit. In fact, um, put your microphone next to where you're typing. Type, type, type. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's called the violence project. And it's just started with some people trying to figure out school shootings and then they got funding and then um, mass, mass shootings. And then, um, and now it's turned into a book and it's sort of a movement and you know, it, it's it's like when you think about um, the whole bully aspect and then the feeling not safe at school and then being traumatized by the drills that you have to do to keep yourself cause, self safe because someone might come in your school and murder you. You know, it's like turning this around and looking at it as rather than inevitable, which I think is how we look at bullying, inevitable. But what if we look at it as preventable? What if we start to believe differently and approach it in a different way? And I think that whole thing I said earlier about, well, that's the way it is. Kids get bullied, you know. But so rather than thinking that way, start to think, wait, that's not right. You know, and I think that's where the children come in because you teach them a new way. And how they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, which you can. But it's harder to get to the adults because a lot of them don't want to learn. And so with kids, they're open to learning new things. We're in a weird place, you know, just with, with technology. It's not that new yet. It is. I mean, we've had Facebook for over a decade now, yet now we have a whistleblower that's talking about how Facebook poses a danger to children and even to democracy. But 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 for the for the children, I don't know if she was talking about really bullying or anything like that, but you know, that's the direction that a lot of people feel like it goes sometimes. Do you agree? Yeah. Well, what she was talking about, and you know what's interesting, just quick side trip, a lot of this stuff got brought up in that documentary The Social Dilemma, but for some reason, maybe just because it wasn't as bright w- widely seen, or maybe it's just more impactful that this woman actually showed her face and, and was on this on 60 Minutes, which is a huge platform. The things she brought up are really I- interesting. As In terms of children, she wasn't talking so much about direct bullying as about the self-image issues, particularly with Instagram, but with all social media, that um, Facebook isn't doing enough. Part of it isn't Facebook's fault, right? You know, women were constantly being bar- bombarded with images that are just completely irrelevant and impractical to real life. But we're told that this is a standard of what beauty is. And it it's so much worse for developing young women. And then you add in people who are 
men and women who are already, you know, probably bent toward uh, bulimia and, and, and those types of, of eating disorders. And that's what she was talking about, the danger of it, that, that nobody's really paying much attention. And, and further, she was claiming that they knew this was a problem and didn't do anything about it. They're claiming, they're claiming that their research was never about self-image. It was about how people use the product. Um, so I don't know. I think that's kind of splitting hairs in there. But um, the bullying, I think, more was an issue of, of, of general misinformation, that they were letting people put stuff out there that was untrue because it was driving membership. Yeah, yeah. Now it's coming back to me, all, all of that. Interestingly enough, I think there are a lot of adults that know when bullying is happening, even when they're doing it on their own. And maybe they don't really think of it as bullying, but it, but they know they just know they're not being nice and allowing themselves to do it. I don't know if there's really a connection to that, but it, I, I just feel like there's something going on with us as a society that we're okay with the certain things that we do that exclude people or to do things that could be seen as bullying, but we just don't. We don't see it that way. Like, what's the line between being fun, snarky, bitchy and being a bully? Yeah. Kind of like that. Or I don't know, something simple like, let's say you're at work and you're just trying to be as loud as you can with another coworker, just to be in the spotlight, but not involve anybody else that happens to be in the same room, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know a really good uh, example other than things you might see in an everyday life. I don't know. You're talking about like click, clickism? Clickism. Yeah. Yeah. Clickism could be it. Oh, I just invented a word. <laughs> and I got it. Yeah. <laughs> it must be a word. Falsity, clickism, clickination. There's got to be something in there. Clickination. Anyway. Clickination. <laughs> Sounds like a medication for your hair. <laughs> I applied clickination on my scalp. <laughs> Talk to your doctor about whether clickination is right for you. And it made me so friendly. Because dizziness, headaches. <laughs> Talk to your doctor if your hair stands on end for more than four hours. Clickinacia <laughs> might be right yeah. for you. Click, click, clickism. I mean, that definitely extends into adulthood for sure. It. You never look. Uh, even even uh, even up until very recently, I never shed that inner thirteen-year-old ever. I'm I'm always worried about did my hair look right or was I wearing the right thing or whatever. Now at the age of like whatever I am. Um, <laughs> Over fifty, let's call it that, and and that that stuff's hard to shake. So yeah, I think I think clickism is in the adult workplace is definitely a thing. And there's, I guess, there's something fun about being in clicks. I'm not sure, but um, oh, you, you know, you know Anna, Anna, that brings up something because it is, you know, it's like oh, they like me. Oh, you know, I I get to hang out with them, and. But then there's the people that see them and aren't invited. And, you know, it's it's like I don't expect everyone at work to invite me to everything or, you know, whether it's your work or business or whatever. But on the other hand, it's it's one thing when it's so obvious and someone walks by and then they whisper and, you know, where they make it really high schoolish. Yes. Um, you know, and yeah. and I remember as a young mom, I my kid was in t-ball 
And there was some moms from a certain church and they just all sat together and talked together. And I knew they all went to the same church, you know. So, but one day I tried to kind of like, you know, hey, hello. I didn't know that many people. And, you know, it uh, wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I didn't get to oh. be in that friend group. And so for so many years, I just felt like I was like the, I don't know, just like that mom that nobody wants to be around, you know, the older mom, whatever. And later I ended up friends with them and they were really nice. But, uh, you know, I I was like, what's different now, you know? And it was because we were in a, a, a group together. Our kids ended up in the same activity. But, you know, it, it was hard. And it's like, like you said, Anna, do they know they're doing it and don't care? Or do they not even recognize it? You know, right. who's paying attention to the people in the corners, the people on the fringes and saying, hey, come on in, you know? Or do they know, but they don't. Right. They're like, whatever, you know, if she'll, mm-hmm. you know, have to have to figure it out like is that is that happening in people's heads yeah and is that a maturity level or is that a attitude what is it right you know i think if we all get serious with ourselves and look inward because we you know doing self-growth you know i think there's times when we can be honest and be like i didn't want her in my group i didn't want her at my table you know yeah Mm. And so that makes it hard sometimes, especially if you're the person who's always including everyone. Um, You know, I think that sometimes it's like we hear the stories that are wonderful, right? And they included me and, you know, but sometimes there are those people that are just really difficult. And um, so what do you do with that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm just thinking. That's all. I'm just I thinking. I know. I'm thinking too. I'm like, my wheels are turning. I'm like, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of part of our society. Like, uh, we made this okay a long time ago. And it starts at, at a very young age. I mean, it starts at even the cafeteria, the school cafeteria, yes. or at the beginning of the year, you just start figuring out who you're going to start sitting with. And then by September, October, it's like you figured it out and it's a, it's a normal thing. And if anything different happened and somebody new comes to your table, <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, this is awkward. We, right. uh, and for some reason, we've made it, we've made it like it's, it's, it'll be awkward. My kid, this is her first year in being face-to-face in, in high school. Probably if it were face-to-face last year as a freshman, she would have known what homecoming really was about. She decided she wanted to go to homecoming just to see what it was like. But what she didn't know was that you're supposed to really plan it. You're supposed to wear something that's you wouldn't usually wear at school, something a lot semi-formal. And you also kind of try to get together with a group of your friends to just plan things out like maybe a dinner and then, you know, hang out at the at the event. You know, she was really trying to figure it out. She was like, okay, you know, I just want to wear this skirt and this button down shirt. I'm like, okay, now here's where you got to think about it. Are, are your friends going to be wearing the same thing? And, you know, or are you okay with if everybody else is wearing a semi-formal dress are you okay with standing out? And she's told me in the past she doesn't want to stand out. So that was why I was telling her this stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, We ended up going shopping the day uh, of the homecoming. (laughs) And we did end up buying a a formal dress. 
she didn't end up wearing it. <laughs> she ended up wearing the skirt and the button-down shirt that she had planned. But she had this nice coat that she also bought because it was going to be an outdoor event for the first time. She was like, okay, well, most people probably aren't going to take their coats off and, and I could just get away with it. I took her to the school we sat in the parking lot for like a good 20, 30 minutes. She was like, oh my God, oh my God, I am so nervous. I'm so nervous. I'm kind of scared. And I'm like, well, tell me, what? why are you scared? And I was thinking she was going to say, because all the girls are wearing formal dresses and all the guys are in sort of, you know, suits. She was more about everybody is with their group of friends. And I didn't get a hold of any of my friends. Oh. So she waited and waited and she was like, okay, I'm going to go to the school. I'm like, I'll be in the parking lot. If you feel like just doing a walk around, I'll be in the parking lot and, and no worries. You know, people won't even think twice. And she ended up staying like longer than I thought she would. <sighs> it was just, it's one of those things you just kind of on pins and needles as yeah. a mom. Like, oh my God, is my child going to be okay? All right. <laughs> <laughs> and when you think about it, she's basically been out of school for COVID. Now she's at school. She's never witnessed a homecoming or for her, it's like you've heard it, but it's not like you have friends to tell you about it or, you know. And there's usually a whole build up to it, you know, surrounded with a sporting event and all that kind of stuff that goes with it. So it it kind of happened in a vacuum, you know. So are, were her friends like that too, though? I mean, she she has friends and nobody planned anything. What were they doing? They did not go. Right. None of them did. <laughs> yes. See? And right. so the people that did go were sort of the fair weather friends, but they were together kind of thing. They were grouped together for yeah. her to walk up to them and try to join in in the middle of it. Right. Just didn't feel right to her. If I was in the same situation, I'd I'd be right, the same right. way exactly. I'd be like, oh, I'm not gonna just walk up to you know this group of people that you know. But what if we accepted that? What if we accepted that as a society to just okay? Oh, here comes somebody. You know, yeah, and open some the people can. There are people that actually can do that. Mm -hmm. You know, because they got that confidence. But not everybody has that confidence. Would you bring somebody into your group? that doesn't have that same confidence and just be like, hey, yeah, you know what? Come on, dance with us. Come on, sit mm -hmm. at our table. And I don't know if that's really an accepted thing these days. I feel like that wasn't even accepted when I was in high school, you know? So it's. I think, it, I feel like it's been a long time of this. Do you guys agree with that or is it just me? Oh my God, am I the dork? <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like, you know, we, we're in a whole new, not only a new generation, Everything's different. COVID changed everything. The coach in me sees it as an opportunity for things to be different. For a group to be sitting there and just talking, it's like, what if we just say, wow, you know, I haven't seen these people forever. I'm just going to go and, hey, guys, it's like, I feel like the rules are changing and there might be a little more freedom if you have the courage, which is hard if you're shy, especially. But if you have the courage to be like, hey, risk being vulnerable, which as a kid is hard because, you know, what happens if you do that and they don't like it? Do you feel like COVID made people introverts a lot more than not? Or do they become more extroverts? I don't know. Is it the opposite of what I'm thinking? I think COVID exposed my inner introvert. Like mm. I have I have always been an extrovert, but... Uh, yeah. before COVID, 
and Lori and I, Lori, you and I have talked about this, even before COVID, when I moved back to Seattle, I was working really hard and then some other things changed. And I know a lot of people in the Northwest and saw very few of them, very few of them in the time that I was living in Seattle. And now I'm down in Salem. So I sort of became a hermit even before COVID hit. And now it's just worse. I haven't seen anybody in ages. And sometimes I don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I am totally down with that. And sometimes I'm like, oh, you know what? It'd be fun to go to the state fair. Maybe we should call a couple people and see if they want to go. Nah, you know. Um, <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think that, that COVID has definitely either changed us or made us realize things about ourselves. Well, I think it's I, given I, us permission I, to not have to do everything. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm, That's a great mm-hmm, way of putting mm-hmm. it. So, Lori, listening to... To Claire and you talking about the opportunity that COVID might have presented. So what would you what would you say to folks like us? You know, what comes to mind for me when I'm hearing you guys talking and going, yeah, well, maybe I didn't want to go anyway, is that really learning who we are and being true to ourselves. Anna, I remember before COVID hit, you had a lot going on and you kept saying, I gotta cut back. And I think sometimes that's hard to do. And so then we do everything and then we we just put on who we need to be because we do it for our families. And so I think with stepping back and realizing, oh, I don't have to do everything. Maybe before you would have looked and wanted to be in that group. Maybe now you would look at that group and go, no, I'm good. It's okay. I don't mind sitting alone where before it was like death to sit alone. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's more about really getting in touch with who you are and what you want and being like Claire said, I'm. 50 something and I don't care anymore. Maybe what if we got to that at an earlier age? Yeah. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Can I, I want to circle back to something about the the story about your daughter and homecoming. I, as an adult more than as a kid, have always had a lot of anxiety about events that are supposed to be fun. For me, for me, the worst thing is New Year's Eve. And Sharon, my wife, will just tell you story after story about, oh, we have to do something. We need to do something. We should do this. We should go that. You dress up and you, you it's like this giant fear of missing out where you see the entire world going to parties and kissing at midnight and drinking champagne and all this kind of stuff. I hate New Year's Eve. I hate it. I don't, I don't hate it. Like, I just, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't find an interest in participating in it. But I, it wasn't until I was in my 30s, like I would just force myself to go to things. And I would just be like, oh, not having fun. And, and I don't know what it is about that. I like Halloween parties and I like Christmas parties and I like birthday parties. But there's something about the pressure of New Year's Eve that has always bothered me. So I just stopped doing it. And Sharon has accepted that. And over time, we've, we've come up with our own New Year's Eve tradition of, of, of stuff that we do. And, and now it's just like, you know, not a big deal. Now it's kind of nice because we have this tradition that we do. I, forego, I forewent the parties. It's possible that your daughter or, or other people... Maybe homecoming just isn't that big a deal, right? Like, why why go through the pressure of being like, well, you have to go to senior prank day. Well, you have to go to this. You have to go to that. Maybe you don't have to, you know? But it's hard to see that at 17. It's easier to see it at, at 40. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, Lori, your station, Warm Runner 6.9, had what was called the second second chance prom or something like that. And I remember one of our AEs, she was like, oh man, I never went to prom. This is this is my chance. Maybe it depends on where you grew up and or what school you went to or whatever. 
I mean, do people feel awful for not having gone to prom when they were in high school? I mean, is is that really a big big deal? And I, I it sounds like it sounds like yeah, for for some people it is. And I wonder if I didn't go to prom, would I feel awful? And I don't think I would, but should we as a society start thinking, hey, you guys, some things are a a big deal to some people, but if it's not, then it's totally okay. And you're not a loser or whatever, you know. I mean, I I think some people think they must be seen as as someone just less if they didn't go to prom (laughs) or certain events in high school. And we got to make it okay, I guess. Do, Do you feel like that? Maybe... I, I, I'm starting to feel like we need to start thinking that way. We just don't yet. I feel like that a thousand percent. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're regretful if you don't go and you really wanted to. If you don't go and True. you chose not to, or if you really wanted to be asked, you know, you didn't want to go with a friend group. You wanted a boy to ask you and they didn't, you know. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if the, it seems like it's always the circumstance if you really wanted to and couldn't go. But if you didn't want to go, I don't think it's like later you go, man, I wish I would have gone. Or if you're gay and didn't get to go with who you really Exactly. Go Which hopefully is different <laughs> yeah. now, I hope, you know. Which is a great Broadway show now filmed for Netflix, I think, called The Prom, which is like a fantastic musical about uh, a, a school who won't let a girl come with her girlfriend to the prom. And so it kind of becomes a thing. And uh, the the main thing is that there's this uh, Broadway show uh, full of like kind of aging stars that are like fail are failures now because, you know. They haven't done anything in years. So they decide to take up this girl as a cause, right? Like they don't really care about the girl so much is that they want to get publicity for themselves by like putting together this kind of like fundraiser for this poor girl. And it's in Cleveland or something like that. And then, of course, they end up, you know, getting behind her and one of the people realizes he's gay. And, you know, all this kind of stuff happens. And it's just like this really, really great show about proms and inclusion. Um, And it's like, Meryl Streep and James Corden and, you know, people like that are in it. But um, I don't know. That just reminded me of that. But, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think Lori hit it, which is that I don't think it should be this high pressure thing that you if you didn't do it, you were a failure. Or if you're looking ahead at it now and you don't feel like going. It, it, it's that that line between I really want to participate, but I, I am not able to for whatever reason. And I don't really give a crap. And why should I feel bad about that? Right? Like, there's different ways of of looking at it. Um, But, you know, that said, I I love those events. Any of those second chance events, I think is is really great. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I'm I'm really, really getting into, you know, things that you didn't get to do that you would like redos on as you get older, whether it's changing your career or, you know, things like that. I I think that um, I think that's really cool. So I love when they do events like that. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, guys, as we wrap it up, I want to point something out that wonderful happened. There is a Florida teen who just made history as her high school's first trans homecoming queen. Wow. And so, yes. So in Orlando, uh, shout out to, what is the name of this person? Um, her name is Evan Bialasuknia. Um I've chopped up your name and I'm so sorry, but um, she was crowned and um, her classmates supported her all the way. It's a wonderful story. If you just even Google Florida teen, first trans homecoming queen, you will get that story. That is awesome. 
Thank you. And that is, that's yes. courage. I love it. That is 100% courage. Not to take away from that, but also there was a school uh, where the girl, it was in uh, Mississippi, she was crowned homecoming queen. Well, one of the princesses, her mom had passed away this, that morning. And so when the girl was crowned queen, she turned around and put the crown on the girl who was who had lost her mom. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that See, was, there really are good, good, good kids See, out there. Yeah. There are good kids out there. Yes. Adults, we can learn from this. Yes, we can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such good stuff. And unfortunately, we've got to go. Well, where can we find you guys on, on social media? <laughs> well, I think if we all learned anything this week from Facebook, it's that we should all have Twitter accounts. <laughs> <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter at Claire Beverly. Well, you can find me on Twitter at, I, I'm not even sure if I know what I am on Twitter. <laughs> I know that I tweet, <laughs> but I don't know. I guess it's at Lori Hardy. Lori Hardy works for Warmer 6.9, which also has a Twitter account, which Lori often appears on. I'm just going to assume it's at Warmer 6.9. <laughs> and mine is at I'm Anna D. And thank you guys for listening to us and joining in and crying with us, if that's what you did. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, thank you. And, and we will see you guys next week, we hope. Why wouldn't we? Where are we going? Because Pam is on vacation next week and I'm going to fill in and it's just, it might be busy. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll just... see you next week. It'll be the week after. We promise. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> one week you need to get Pam to fill in for you on this podcast. She owes you one. <laughs> it would be nothing but music. <laughs> Van Halen music. <laughs> Maybe Sammy Hagar. <laughs> Maybe Van Hagar. (laughs) (laughs) This is Listen and Learn or Not. not.